Welcome to the No Film School podcast. We are in the middle of Horror Week and we're going to be continuing our conversation with one of the all-time favorite genre mashups of all time. I'd say Christmas meets horror. We're talking with Damien Levesque, the director of A Creature Was Stirring, a film that may ring some bells because we spoke with the producer and lawyer, Natalie, a couple weeks ago. I highly, highly recommend going back and listening to that episode to learn all the things you need to know from a legal perspective about making an indie film. And this feature, which will be coming out in December and some exciting announcements will be made in the next few days about it, follows a nurse taking care of her daughter's mysterious affliction. She struggles to hide her secrets and some uninvited strangers take shelter in her house during a lethal blizzard. Let's talk about some creature horror. We'll keep it sort of on the DL until we have a chance to speak with this team come in December. But the film stars Chrissy Metz of This Is Us and some other familiar faces. They shot it in Kentucky. Fun fact. And in the middle of summer. Anyway, it was a pleasure to talk to Damien. We got to go into the origins of how the film was created, but also his full workflow of using the black magic resolve and the cloud. This is one of the first films to actually use the full workflow and what worked and what he learned in that process. On top of all of this, Damien has just great advice for indie filmmakers and how you can be leveraging the cloud to streamline your entire process, especially if you're on a timeline. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Damien. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, Damien, you were just saying that you did a $100,000 indie road movie called Take Me Home and you'll never do it again, but you're so glad you did it. Tell me more because I'm feeling very burnt out right now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a really cool experience. And, you know, my friend, Sam, my friend, Sam and Jesse, you know, were on it with me. It was Sam's movie. Sam's a very accomplished actor and writer. And, you know, we piled into an RV, a box truck and his taxi. And the movie's about a guy that drives a woman in a taxi across the country from New York City. And 
it was amazing. You know, I remember flying into LaGuardia and, you know, taking a cab to Brooklyn and, you know, setting up shop and start shooting almost right away. It was crazy fun. And we drove from New York to LA in like two weeks or something like that, filming along the way. And it was a phenomenal and wonderful experience. This was before I was married and I had kids and everything. And I'm really glad that I did it. And that's why I think that like, you should be glad that you did this because it might be the only time in your life when you'll ever take these kinds of risks or, or even have the opportunity to. Yeah. That does feel that like now is the time. And not only, you know, for our listeners who haven't been following, like I shot a feature in Panama that just wrapped principal principal production. We have one more day of shooting, but in an airplane hangar in Anaheim, but like the timing was this window opened up to shoot in Panama and we could only shoot it during this window because we won't have access to the location in the future. And if you don't shoot, if you start shooting anytime, like after October 15th, you risk getting into the rainy season, which is really dangerous. So like we were there in the dry season and AKA a window of two months and we shot for 11 days. And it was like now or never, because, you know, I too am like, eventually I'll have kids and I can't just like uproot and leave on a, and expend the energy that it takes to do something so indie. So you've done the like scrappy indie thing and you've gone on to have a prolific filmmaking career in both indie and non-indie space. And we're here to talk about your forthcoming feature, A Creature Was Stirring. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Which I, if our listeners have been tracking, we had your wife on the podcast as mandatory listening for anyone who wants to do anything, giving us all the advice uh, that from a legal perspective of what you need to know as a filmmaker. And we got to hear a little bit about it, including the fact that she came up with that brilliant name. But where did the idea outside of the name, where did the idea come from? Well, I just want to quickly echo what you said. I wouldn't listen to that. I listened to that episode and I was like, I was, I'm learning things here. I mean, everybody should listen to this. It's really good. So where did the idea for the movie come? Is that what you said? Yeah. My company, Scubalon Entertainment, we accept cold submissions through our website. So you can go to scubalonentertainment.com and click on submit your script and send us your script and someone will read it. And, you know, the vast majority of them aren't a good fit for us, but occasionally you get one that really catches my interest and i have pretty specific tastes when it comes to horror movies this one was maybe one of the best horror scripts i'd ever read uh it was the the writer shannon wells this guy in northern california you know he i don't know he did something really special i turned to my wife i was reading it on an airplane i was like this is unbelievable you've got to read this we've got to make this movie so that's how I found that one. And that's how I found the one that I'm casting right now that's coming up next. So, you know, I do write my own projects. I wrote The Cleansing Hour. But, you know, right now, this is, a, I mean, I like being able to take submissions on websites for a couple of reasons. One is, my, one is because I want to be able to give writers a foot in the door because there's a lot of talent out there. And, you know, it's a very, you know, the barrier to entry in this business is very hard. It's very high. But then secondly, also, it gives me an opportunity to develop other projects while I'm simultaneously working on my own. Yeah. I can have multiple irons in the fire. 
What was it about Shannon's writing that got you? Was it the style? Was it the turns? Well, the movie has an unbelievable twist that is like, like I did not see coming. And if you can not see the twist coming on the page, that's a real feat. And then, you know, he does have a very sort of colorful flourish to the way that he writes, which I think is very unique. He definitely has a voice and he's just really great with character. He just is just really understands his characters and is able to translate that sort of deep personality and that depth of character into dialogue um, that's very appropriate for each of those characters. So it was really cool. And it's really, it was really an actor's script because our talent was able to really sink their teeth into it. You know, we had Chrissy Metz from This Is Us. Scott Taylor Compton from of Halloween fame, Rob Zombie's Halloween's, Connor Paolo and Annalise Basso. So we had a tremendous cast. Like just these guys are so talented, and it was just so fun to watch them bring those words alive mm-hmm. uh, as only actors can. And so you get to the point where you are, and I'm not familiar with your production company's business model, but you're like, I want to make this movie. And then what are the steps between that moment where you turn to Natalie on the airplane to shooting the movie? Well, usually what I'll do is I'll develop the script with the writer for a while. You know, there's, I'll get a good script and then I work with them to make it a great script. So I went a couple of rounds with Shannon and we did some crazy stuff with it and got it to a place that I felt really good about along the way. We brought on Paper Street Pictures, which is Aaron Kuntz's company, they, to help us get the movie put together. So I think sometimes it's actually beneficial to do a co-production because sometimes another production company will have resources that you don't have, context that you don't have. So that's an option. We didn't do that on the cleansing hour. The cleansing hour was solely Scubalon, and that's because everybody said no to it hmm. for different reasons. But anyway, so then we went a couple of rounds in the script with Paper Street, and this is over the course of two years. And we eventually got a sales agent on board and the sales agent got us the deal with our distributor. And then once we got the deal with the distributor, then we were able to get the movie made. Now, there's a lot of stuff in between there that I'm not talking about, but you know, the deal that we had was a minimum guarantee, which if you know how that works. Um, I don't. I don't. Do you want to know how it works? I do. Okay. An MG deal is, it's what it sounds like. It's the minimum that a distributor will guarantee you for a delivered movie, Mm -hmm. right? You give them the finished movie and they will pay you that minimum. And then when the movie recoups that minimum, then depending on how your deal is structured, the net proceeds from that will then funnel to you and to the distributor. So we did a worldwide deal. So this distributor has worldwide distribution rights. And, but here's the challenge though. They don't cash flow your MG. Yeah. So just using round numbers, let's say you did it, you get a million dollar MG. Well, you have to come up with that million dollars to make Mm. your move. So you either have equity in place or you have equity in place for a piece of it. And then you have to come up with a difference. That difference you typically have to finance. So then you have to do immediate finance here. Media finance, media lending is extremely, they're, they're loan sharks. They take a huge chunk. They, you know, they, it's very risky lending. So they ask you to give personal guarantees and all kinds of things. It's very, very challenging. So, you know, it's a unique problem to have. Like here, if someone wants our movie, they're going to pay us money for it. But you want to charge me 20% for the money that I want to, the money that I want to borrow from you. It's egregious. 
but we got it done somehow. Nice. Hell or high water, it happened. And we filmed the movie in Kentucky in uh, summer 22 and finished it very quickly because we were trying to see if we could get it delivered for Christmas of 22, but that did not happen. So, yeah. So you've been living with it and sitting with it for a while. Yeah. And which is funny because the same thing happened with the cleansing hour and it drove me crazy, but it ended up working out for the best. There's another completely different, there's a complete, there's a complete side story about like how we were originally going to make this movie in Russia. And that fell through because of the Russia Ukraine things. You're not the first person who told me that had a movie fall through or that was set up in that part of the world. And then they're like, and then the Ukraine war happened. Like yeah. a, a guy on my softball team last year sold something at AFM, American Film Market, had like a million dollars or $2 million in place. And then I saw him on the team this year. I'm like, how'd your movie go? And he's like, the Ukraine war happened. So no, it didn't at yeah, all. So I'm so glad you were able to like piece it. So we pivoted from Moscow to Oklahoma and then to Kentucky. And that's where we filmed it. And if you have a movie that's set in the snow in the wintertime, which A Creature of Stirring is, I don't recommend filming it in the dead of summer in Kentucky. <laughs> it's just very challenging and hot. So, Coming from the equator, I, in the heat of the equator, I, I feel you. I feel you on that. Only we, I did put one of my actors in a flannel long sleeve shirt for half the movie. And only once when I was like listening or I was just like had my headphones on, did I hear him say, whoever made this decision, what were they <laughs> thinking? And I'm like, oh, I, it looked good at REI. Sorry, dude. Okay. So, so you're in Kentucky, you're filming and we're going to have you and Natalie back on, on No Film School to talk about this, but I'd like to skip ahead to fast forward. You're done filming. You're going right into editing. You're jamming to get it in for Christmas 22. And you have a very extensive background at work as an editor. And one of the things that is, you know, particularly interesting slash maybe horrifyingly wonderful because we're here in Horror Week is that you had worked with the full Blackmagic workflow and you used the cloud. So talk to me about that process. Yeah, sure. Well, I already had a very good relationship with Blackmagic because they played a very big role in the cleansing hour. You know, we built a studio within a studio on the set of the cleansing hour, and we use almost entirely Blackmagic products to do that. And um, they were very good to us on the cleansing hour short as well. So uh, this was just sort of continuing that relationship. Can I ask a very like 101 question? When you say like, we had a good relationship with them, like, who are you talking to at Black magic and like what are those conversations like? How did you even start that relationship? That's a good question. Let me think. If I recall on the cleansing hour short, I just cold called them and I said, I want to use, I want to use your products in this movie. And then they put me in touch with all their people. I went in the office in Burbank and they showed me everything and they let me borrow a ton of stuff. Wow. And then when we made the cleansing hour in Romania they shipped a ton of stuff to Romania for us. Wow. So that just, you know, and then I've kept in touch with them, you know, in between just like, you know, checking in and, you know, they help us promote the movie a little bit, you know, they want to show their product being used and everything, which is, you know, it's fair. So on A Creature Was Stirring, I was very intrigued because right around, right before, when we were pre-production, 
Black Magic, I think it was at NAB, they announced Black Magic Cloud. They announced a new version of Resolve and they announced the Cloud Store. And I was like, hmm, this is really interesting. This could probably be used with me editing in Kentucky, my assistant editor in LA. Um, you know, I'm moving around. I go from Kentucky to Oklahoma to Dallas when I'm doing this movie. This would be a great case study. Yeah. So I pitched it to them and they said, sure. And then in addition to that, we used their new Ursa, the 6K Ursa, as an additional camera. We filmed the movie on Sony Venice, but if you want to go over 48 frames per second, you, you need to use a different camera. So it was very useful for some specialty shots and for some high frame rate stuff. So the interesting thing about the cloud store and Blackmagic Cloud, for those that don't understand what this is, you know, DaVinci Resolve is sort of an all-in-one editing sound design and color and finishing application. It's very all-inclusive. So Blackmagic Cloud lets you host your DaVinci Resolve project in the cloud on their servers. Why this is interesting is because if you have your media hosted on in Kentucky and also a second copy of it in LA, the changes that you're making on this project in Kentucky are going to get reflected in LA. And I'll drag a sound effect into my bin in Kentucky and it automatically syncs with my assistant editor's cloud store in LA. So that worked amazingly well. And I'm frankly shocked because I've been doing, I'm a software nerd. I've been doing this for so long. I'm shocked there were no problems with the DaVinci project at all. None. Like the bin sharing, like the sharing of the, you know, clicking through the bins, letting multiple people access a project at the same time worked flawlessly. Flawlessly. I never once had an issue. I could I can't even believe I'm saying these words. Yeah, yeah. It, it worked so well. And I mean, man, I'll tell you, like I I, I so I've been editing for tw- over 20 years. You know, 90% of what I edit, 95% of what I edit, because I do a lot of TV, is in Avid Media Composer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fluent in all of the editing applications. So Premiere, Final Cut, and Resolve. I, I edited, I've done a lot of work in all of them. I edited A Creature Was Stirring in Resolve. It was like, I was thinking to myself, you know, they've done a lot to the edit page in Resolve. This could be, th- this is a small enough movie that I can try this out and mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot. Yeah. So I did it. I learned a lot about editing and resolve. I still feel like there are some major improvements that they need to make, but you know, Blackmagic is so aggressive in their development of that application. I, I really believe wholeheartedly that like this could very well be, you know, sort of an avid killer. I mean, I love avid, but I mean, like they're the, what they're doing is so well planned out cool. that, and they really do listen to their customers. I, I, I see a really bright future for them. That's awesome. I mean, the first thing I learned to edit in was Resolve and and it was such a good baseline for, you know, everything that I learned. And, and I also am like, I don't know how I ever directed anything at all without knowing how to edit. Like mm-hmm. that, that's insane to me that I had the gall to just go out there and be like, yeah, like, yeah, sure. A close up sounds. If you know how to, if you know how to edit, you will be a much better director. Yeah. It's yeah, also I'm a free platform. So like it is free. free. That's right. It's which is amazing. You know, I very efficient on set. I storyboard a lot. I, I shoot for the edit because I already have the scene edited in my head. So, yeah. you know, it makes it, it makes everything run smoother. But uh, it was a great experience working with Black Magic on this movie. And I'm excited. I'm always excited to try new workflows and to be on the bleeding edge of technology. I 
shameless plug, I've got a company called Shoot to Post. We do digital media workflows and architecture for film and TV productions. And this was just another thing that we built into that. So we basically did a Shoot to Post workflow using Blackmagic tools, which is really cool. That's awesome. What were what was one of like the unexpected features that you're like, oh, this was, I'm so glad they thought of this before I did. I mean, the unexpected thing, honestly, was just that the Blackmagic Cloud works so well. The project <laughs> works so well. That's what was unexpected. There were plenty of things that I wish worked differently, but I mean, I challenge you to find an editing application that doesn't have things that you want to gripe about. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, just the shared projects work so flawlessly and we couldn't have done it without it. What are some of the other bleeding edge of tech as a director that you use and you're like, everyone should be tapping into this? I don't know how bleeding edge this is, but you know, I use my iPhone as a viewfinder. Did you ever do that on set? My my DP does, and we like use that to see what the shot is going to be. Yeah, there's a couple there's a couple really good apps out there. I use Cadridge or Cadrage. They, you know, they all have the same features, but basically you can set your camera, set your lens package, and then you can get an a very accurate view of what your what the camera will see once you set it up. I so used I, to have Artemis, right? That's what it's Artemis called. is one of them. Yeah, yeah. Artemis I, is like fifty bucks or something, isn't it? Yeah, and I really like expensive. bought it on my Pixel phone, and then I switched to an iPhone, and I never followed up about it. Sorry. Oh yeah. Um, well, anyway, I like that a lot. Just, I mean, I don't. As, as far as directing is concerned, I mean, aside from the iPhone thing, I'm pretty old school. I mean, I have a remarkable tablet. Which you know, do you know what that is? Remarkable. Oh, tablet. I, at first I thought you were just saying it, it's remarkable. No, but I think Charles has talked about it on the podcast before. It's like you're you can write directly on it. Is that yeah? It's like a little. It's sort of like a. It's it, it, they're so, they're trying to mimic the feel of writing on paper, but it's on sort of like a looks like a Kindle. Nice, satisfying. Um, so I, you know, I really like working with paper, but I will do. I will storyboard a lot on my remarkable. You know. And then, and so you're storyboarding with the remarkable, and are you and you're are you pulling up the storyboards as you go, or do you print those out? No, what I usually do is I do like my janky, you know, not great, but understandable drawings. And then I give them to a storyboard artist to say, hey, make this look pretty. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I asked because I've been, I was carrying around this like fat binder that, you know, did I'd leave places and my DP did build out an app on a platform called Glide that. It, that works pretty well, it, or I mean, it's great. It works well for our workflow, but it's pretty much, it has some limitations within the platform because it's like he's building it on top of it. But like we have all of our overheads and references for every scene in the app. And it's so satisfying because like you can go through and toggle and click off what you're done and then you get to see what percentage you're done. So right oh, now, nice. the last like week and a half, we've been at 99% done with the whole all of the scenes. It's very satisfying. And so I'm always looking for that type of like, that kind of like satisfying, like organized thing, because I'm great at working within structure. I'm really bad at building that structure. And my brain is like not in a place to do that. Well, I, on Creature, I did because we, it was just, the shooting of it was just insane, which we can talk about that with Natalie, but I would do a Google sheet and I would do a, a different sheet for every scene. Or for I'm sorry for every day. Mm -hmm. So within that, then I had that shared with my with the team, and they could see. Okay, here's Damien's shot list for the day, and then it was a reference. And like the the 
first AD would print that out and you know that it was a it was you know the shot list is always referential it's like you've got your must haves and then you've got your wish list basically so you know yeah the if we have time list so yeah yeah that's how I did it I had a different I had a different Google sheet for every day shoot day and then would you archive or hide the sheet once it's done is that part of the the cleansing process oh well, that's a really nice idea I probably <laughs> should have uh, but no I didn't my my equivalent of that is I take a post-it note. This is how like pen and paper I am. I take a post-it note. I'd go through and tab the days that I, the things I was about to do. And then I'd have like my notes and my line script and, you know, references. And then of course the app with everything most up to date for where the camera is going to be moving and blah, blah, blah. And then once I finish it, I'd rip off that post-it note. I'd slip it into the plastic sheet and then it'd be just like covered with a post-it note and i'm like it was very satisfying and very <laughs> like i would get closure on the scene yes. and then the very last day our dp was like we have to shoot one more shot from the a scene that we shot on the very first day because the windows were blown out in the back and like we didn't really know understand the lighting in panama and the tropics and the direction of the sunlight and how it would hit this one palm tree and make this palm tree that's kind of white already look super white so let's redo it. And so I'm like, I'm wondering how it'll cut together because it's, I think, 11 shooting days plus two weekends has passed. And like our actors have bug bites and they're tanner and like there's a whole thing. But I'm like, but maybe we'll have fixed it. But I had to like untake, I had to take off the post-it note from the inside and put oh, yeah. it back on the top. And that was not satisfied. That was I take it. I take it you didn't have any review dailies to go back to. I did. I actually, so our producer, Elle Burnett, bless her heart, has never worked in any editing platform at all, ever. And she learned Resolve to make dailies for us. She learned how to apply a LUT, our famous LUT Ryland time. And, and she, and then from that, I was able to edit together like a casting crew little sizzle reel at the very end editing on like raw footage which was not a good idea but like yeah the so i was able to look at it which was a luxury considering that we didn't like i was also scripty and hair and makeup and costumes and and luckily our actors have beautiful glowing skin the whole time and thank god so it all worked out. It all worked out. Awesome. They come with their makeup done. So, and I, my, the extent of my hair and makeup is occasional. Like I don't usually hand them an oil blotter and then I'd, they'd blot their face or they'd get a paper towel to wipe sweat. And, and then occasionally Ryan, the DP would be like, Hey, I think they're glowing a little too much, but you know, they were lit so well that they looked very good. I'll That's send great. you some screenshots. I'll send yeah, you some screenshots. Yeah, I'd love to see more. Yeah, definitely. When you're ready for a trailer, hit me up. I'll oh. love to help you guys out. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. I've like, I, I've been thinking, because like, I, I feel like that would something that would fall to me, but I'd be thrilled to work with you on it because I'm yeah. like, I get so caught up in the nitty gritty and I can't think of like the big picture of like the story that I'm telling. And I'm like, the trailer is the length of most of my shorts. And I'd be <laughs> like, you have to include this one because look, there's like a, the dog we loved is in the background. And then you'll be like, nobody care. The audience doesn't care. Yeah, you're too so, close to it right now. Totally. And, I'm yeah, like, especially like six months from now, you're going to be. Yeah. Well, how, actually, when you were going into post on any of your features, like how did you get perspective? Well, 
that's one of the challenges of writing, directing, and producing and editing your mm -hmm. own movie. So on the cleansing hour, we did a couple of screenings. I invited, I've invited filmmaker friends. I invited industry friends to the screenings and uh, we had a really cool system set up for getting their feedback. So I got some honest feedback, which was and some of the best feedback I got was from other directors. So I really recommend that if you're making a movie, talk to other directors who you trust and who will be honest with you and let them see it. Yeah. And then on A Creature Was Stirring, that's a great question. I feel like A Creature Was Stirring came together a lot faster. Especially uh, with that deadline. Yeah, I think it came together a lot faster. And I did the same thing. I didn't have a screening, but I did send it off to a small group of trusted individuals. And there were some screening parties, I know. And people emailed me their notes and stuff like that. And that was very helpful. Again, director friends, big help. Yeah. Shout out to Ryan Spindell, who is awesome. And yeah, that's how we did it. That's how we got it done. There's something valuable, I think, of running, of ru just running at the the story and running at the edit and not having a, a chance to second guess. It feels like a different type of, of gift, blessing and a curse, I guess. And I think of my interview the other week with the Chris and Ryan, the editors on SNL, who had like 48 hours to put together the Mario Kart spoof trailer that's sort of like the Mario Kart meets The Last of Us, which is so good. I, I think there's value in that too. And I just gave that pep talk to our editor, Christina O'Sullivan, this yeah. morning. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, the cleansing hour was an interesting case because I actually cut a sales trailer before we actually began cutting the movie. Wow. I cut the sales trailer or sales teaser for our sales company. And then I got into post on, on and then with a uh, creature, I just started editing right away. And it was, you know, I was edit. There was, we, we shot this fight sequence and I was really excited. It was a really fun sequence to film. And I really wanted to show the cast because I felt like or the cast and the crew, I said, this will be a morale booster. So that day I went home and I cut the scene. And it's almost exactly how it appears in the movie now. Oh, amazing. And I showed it to them and they're like, oh my gosh, it looks so good. Da, 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 da. You know, so it, it had the desired effect. My, I don't know if this, I think my favorite moment in the movie was the fight, se was the fight sequence, but it was the one where they're, I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm going to show you. Yes. Oh, that is one that, was good too. Is that it? Oh. That wasn't the one. That was so cool. That was wasn't like, the one. It was the one toward the end of the movie with, with Scout. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, but <laughs> it just occurred to me that you've seen the movie. I forgot. that. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. I watched it this weekend. By the way, you're like one of the first. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. feel honored. And I feel <laughs> like I'm in the Christmas. It's the perfect time because I'm like gearing up for Halloween weekend, spending the day before Halloween shooting the last scene of this movie, Halloween day, giving out candy at my cousin's house because my Nana and Poppy are flying down to be extras in the movie. So nice. we got to show them a spooky Halloween. But then it's like, hey, it's Christmas. Like, so anyway, you got me like primed for all the seasons to come. Well, that's what that's a great segue because our distributor is intentionally starting to publicize the movie after Halloween. So it doesn't get caught up in the Halloween noise. Ah, okay. Um, so yeah, can so you share details about like where people can follow and, and see? Yeah, totally. I don't, when will this episode drop? This drops on Saturday or Sunday. What day is that? Before Halloween. The 27th or? Yeah. Cool. 
Great. So of October, the, the trailer and the artwork in the movie will drop on November first, and hopefully you'll be seeing you know a lot more between November first and our release on December eighth. And we are going to be on VOD on December twelfth. So I would encourage everybody if you aren't in New York, LA, or one of the other cities where, where it's going to be in a theater to go to the pre-order page on Apple TV and pre-order there, rent or buy. So that's what I would do. Amazing. And then we'll have you back in December to geek out even more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. Like I did this time. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much, Damien, for joining us for kicking off Horror Week with, or you're right now, we're in the middle of Horror Week and, and I'm excited to have you guys on to continue this conversation. Yeah, definitely. Me too. And uh, people can always follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Damien Levesque. Scubalon Entertainment is our production company. You can reach out to us there as well if you want to submit a script. And Do it. Also, congratulations to you, Gigi. I mean, I'm so impressed that you guys pulled that off. It's so cool. Thank you. That means a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Damien, for geeking out with me about your production workflow, about your many movies. I have to go watch The Cleansing Hour now, especially learning the short-to-feature journey of that film. I always love talking with directors who have extensive experience in editing because they're always coming at their work from the perspective of the final product, which is something we need to keep in mind. I also loved that Damien was, even in working on his short version of the cleansing hour, not afraid to ask for help. It never hurts to reach out and see how brands or people that you want to work with can help you bring your vision to life. You can like, rate, and subscribe to No Film School across all podcast platforms. You can also get more No Film School and more Horror Week on nofilmschool.com. And you can send us your questions at podcast at nofilmschool.com. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>